Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to Transition, Transform, and Evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. This is where we're talking about wiser decisions, greater profits, higher purpose. And I am so excited to have my friend, long-term friend and associate and a good buddy here, Mr. Greg Reed. Many of you probably know Greg. Uh, he has been in the world of entrepreneurship, leadership, filmmaking. But this guy I met maybe 15 years ago, and he was just in the midst of writing his uh, book. He's written a few before that, but this is one of his big ones, Three Feet from Gold. And he literally was just uh, in the middle of getting that launched. Over that time of knowing Greg for all these years, he's done now over 100 books, 32 bestsellers written in 45 languages, serial entrepreneur, his books are titled uh, Stickability, Power Perseverance, The Millionaire Mentor, on and on and on. Also, Audible books. He, he's got a few films that he's done that I want to talk to him about on his films that he's done, which are amazing. Not only documentaries, but full film feature films. Uh, his event, uh, Secret Knock, has become one of the top global seminar workshops out there in the world, noted by Forbes. Uh, he also is doing something called Prosperity Camp. Uh, this guy is doing all kinds of stuff. So I am thrilled to have Mr. Greg Reed here. He's also a happy papa, and I want to talk to him about being a dad uh, and also how he's helping people in the world. So here on Alchemy Advisors and uh, the Alchemy of Business, Mr. Greg Reed. How you doing, Greg? Man, I love that introduction of you, and I know you didn't set it up this way, but right next to me, I got a coincidence. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. Well, the first major best-selling book I did was called Positive Impact. And the only person who had given me an endorsement on this book was a guy named Brian Tracy. Oh, yeah. And he was my hero. He was my, he was a legend, right? Or he still is. And I remember when he did it, it gave me the confidence that I actually had a shot in this industry. And just recently, his latest book is on the bookshelves. And my endorsement of him is on the back of his book. At the bookstore. <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. Well, Greg's going to be actually, uh, uh, Greg, I'm going to have Brian on the show in about 10 days. So he's going to be on. I'm going to mention that to him and show him this little segment. He's a mentor for both of ours, for sure. And I remember um, when you guys were, uh, you know, you were like, oh, my God, this guy. And then, boom, you're on stages together. or You guys are doing work together. So tell me about how in your, your big vision that you had for yourself, and you have met not only the Brian Tracys of the world, but celebrities and presidents and different people. How has that inner drive that you have, you have this passion that's a fire that a lot of people just don't have. And I don't know if that's teachable or not, but how has that passion and fire led you to this spot you're sitting in today in that chair on this journey? And, and, and what is it that you have, Greg, that has allowed you to do all these things? Like, what is it? So now answer all those 18 questions in, in a soundbite. So because you're like that. You're, you're 80, you can make shit happen. I know that. So let's do it. So it's a student's mind, number one, meaning that instead of the guru status or I know something you don't know, I'm a student's mind. So I, I go out and I interview people that I am curious to know information directly from the source. And then I feel like I'm just one step ahead. So I go, hey, by the way, I just learned this and I get to pass it along and go to the next. So I believe that that keeps my enthusiasm going because I'm constantly learning. 
uh, not about teaching. I'm constantly learning. And then I'm very fortunate that people ask me to come and teach what I just learned. And, and when you were doing that teaching and learning, and I know you have that student's mind and all those 18 questions, let's peel back on back on some of those. So when you met the Brian Tracy's, the Les Brown's, the yeah. Halle Berry's, the Michael McConaughey's, did you change your level of confidence of who you were as a person and an individual? The more and more you met people of stature going, hmm, I guess I'm not, I, I'm more than I was thought I was, or did you always think you were that and you rose to that? Every time I sit next to these people, going, holy smokes, smokes, I hope they don't figure out that I'm just me. <laughs> you know, you're just a regular person who's been very fortunate. And like I said, it's just that student's mindset. For example, I remember I got a chance to have John Travolta teach me Pulp Fiction dance uh, Grammys night at the City Gala. But I was curious because I knew he was a pilot. So I asked him, says, hey, is life like a checklist? You wake up every day and you go down like a pilot would and do your checklist for you know, your personal life. And he goes, absolutely. You know, now I think about it. Yeah, I do. And there's what we do. And we check for movie scripts and things of this nature. And I think we all have day-to-day -day aspects that's common sense to us that is pure genius to somebody else. And it's my goal and my mission to find out what that genius is and then pull it out. And so I can share it with others so they can be inspired as well. That's awesome. I think we, uh, uh, Aaron, I think we have a few pictures of Greg with Travolta. Weren't you getting him to even do his uh, cool little... Uh, how did, uh, Aaron, if you could pop up some of those, like when you're on, you, you said, Hey, I'm, I hope these people don't know who I am. I think that's part of your magic of your beauty of you are just who you are. And they're intrigued by your fun, your quirkiness, your, your, so like, I mean, like you've got, who's that Heidi Klum, you've got John Travolta, you got Matthew McConaughey. So when you were getting John, tell me about when you got John to do his Pulp Fiction kind of thing. How did that come about? And where was that event at? Well, it was funny. It was at, again, the City Gala during Grammy's night. And right before we're walking out on stage, and it was at the Disney Auditorium up in L.A., sold out crowd, thousands of people in the audience. And we're walking out, and I go, hey, let me ask you something. He goes, what? I go, can I get you to teach me to dance at the end of this? He goes, why not? And so at the end of the interview, I said, hey, before we end. And then sure enough, but the only thing is we didn't have music cued for it because it was a spur of the moment thing. So the whole audience started clapping real slow when he showed me. So it was pretty fun. It's again, it's always those those cool aha moments. This last time, even at Secret Knock, you know, we had Gary Busey, uh, the famed wild man actor, get a live brain scan on stage. You know, we had uh, wow. Dr. Joe Dispenza come in and teach you. Yeah, Joe's amazing. awesome. Yeah, I saw you had him there. That's amazing. He's yeah, talking about it's, it's always like what's coming next because a good football quarterback never throws a football where a wide receiver's standing. They throw it downfield. So I'm now looking for what's coming next so I can share it with our audience. Well, and you're sharing with the audience. You do that awesome, not only through your events of Secret Knock, which we're going to talk about really in detail in the next segment that we're going to have. But um, I also want to talk about um, the way you're helping people. You help them through books. You help them through mentoring. But you also are doing what you just said. You go seek out people. You learn from them. And then you digest it back in kind of a simplistic way. I think that people can digest it well, whether they're entrepreneurs or budding corporate people that want to, you know, grise the ladder, whatever it might be. So was there a common theme that you have seen through some of these celebrities, millionaires, billionaires of some of these key qualities that they had that you kept seeing a repeating theme? Yeah, they all had stickability, you know, the power to persevere. You know, first there's a dream, then there's a challenge, and then comes victory. 
unfortunately, most people quit in the challenging moments. But it's the people that persevere and just course correct along the way. They're the ones that we tell the stories about. Like Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A. He says, look, if I'm on my sofa and I want to get to the end of the street, I have stickability. I won't quit till I get there. He goes, but I look for and capitalize on unexpected opportunity. A planner is going to plan every step where they're going to pause, take a break. A sprinkler comes up, freaks them out. They run back home. Not me. I'm looking for opportunity. Did a kid leave a skateboard or a bicycle out that I could borrow to make my journey short? If I get lucky, I'll wave down a neighbor driving by, catch a ride to the end of the street. He says, either way, I'll get to my goal. I'll get to my destination. I'm just not so caught up in exactly how it has to happen. That's awesome. So, so whether it was Halle Berry, John from Travolta, Joe Dispenza, stickability was you think at the top of the list, even beyond their talent or their charisma or whatever it might be. Absolutely, because we're all going to go through so much rejection. You know, so many people will tell us no. And Paul J. Meyer, the billionaire, sat me down one time and says, "Your success is in direct proportion to your ability to withstand a no." If you're willing to ask enough ladies out, eventually you'll get a date for the dance. And that's always stuck with me. And it seems a common trait of all these amazing people is they were told no time and again. They just never let another person or themselves talk them out of what they knew to be true. Well, and when I first met you, um, I was going through a major transition myself. I'd been in the corporate world and was the CEO of a company and it was in the mortgage meltdown in 2008. And a mutual friend of ours, Nirka, introduced us and uh, I met you at a holiday party at a Christmas party. I think it was in 2008 and you were just in the midst of launching three feet from gold and you were going through exactly what you just said. You had gotten rejection after rejection. Uh, so we've got about one or two minutes or two minutes left in this segment. Can you t share with people some of the stories in you getting three feet from gold even launched? Because you have been one of the people that have been blessed to take Napoleon Hill's think and grow rich concepts, principles and endorsed by the foundation which not a lot of the people in the world can say they did, but you that didn't happen overnight. I mean, you were like, uh, I, I remember when I met you, I'm like, wow, this guy, talk about perseverance. So can you share with the audience just some of the stories of getting three feet from cold done and how that even became, how that came about, that book? Yeah, what a blessing. I mean, Napoleon Hill in 1908 was given a letter by Mr. Andrew Carnegie to meet all of his friends to write the first ever formula for success. And a hundred years later to the date, the Napoleon Hill family and the foundation gave me the same type letter. It was a Willy Wonka ticket, yet I still had to open up these doors of opportunity. But when the book was coming out, I was turned down by every publisher in New York saying, who are you to possibly go on this journey? And what makes you think that you can walk in these famous footsteps? And it wasn't until Sharon Lecter, the amazing, incomparable Sharon Lecter came on board, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. She came on as our co-author, and all of a sudden, those doors that slammed shut suddenly magically opened. So much so that the only bookstore left in America, Barnes & Noble, decided mm, to publish right. through their own major publishing sister company. So we were published directly through the source, and that's how we got into every bookstore worldwide. But more importantly, it was sold in like 48 languages right out of the gate and just blew off the shelf. Well, you you obviously the uh, and one of the things in Think Grow Rich is about ma you know magnifying and bringing people to you like attract like so somehow in the world you attracted Sharon and you guys hit it off and I remember you telling me stories about getting off elevator after rejection and you like had to like get your last hundred dollars to get a motel room to even go meet the whomever so talk about uh, stickability and perseverance um, how many times do you think that book changed and shaped ways before it actually got published. 
oh, too many to even mention. And the main thing is this, it's never getting caught up in exactly where it's at right now. And so I always look again at the future of what's coming next. And if somebody can make it better, I'm all for it. One of the things that you and I agree to is the importance of having non-attachment. Detachment means you don't care. Non-attachment means you give it your best. You're not so attached to how the outcome comes to be. I know we're going into break, so I look forward to sharing a little bit more. Yeah, Aaron, can you show, before we go to break here, let's show uh, Greg's, if you have it up, Greg's Three Feet from Gold. I know that he's got many, many books, but also on his Amazon page on as an author. I, I went to him again last night and looked on his Amazon page of a, being an author. And I'm, I, I get so proud of myself. I've got two books on there. Actually, I've got three. I did I, one. I did co with Greg a long time ago. So I actually have three. But Greg, I was scrolling through those and I'm like, oh my God, on your Amazon page, it's like book after book in different languages. So I'm going to ask you as, as we go off to break, I know you have one son. I want to talk about Colt when we come back. And these books are probably like your kids. Is all of these books here, is there anyone that's your favorite? Do you have a favorite from Thoughts or Things to Stickability to Three Films? Is there one that jumps that you just love for some reason more than yeah. another? And I'm going to share it with you when we come out after the break. All right, perfect. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I'm Mr. Greg Reed, come back and let's hear about Greg's favorite of his children of his books. And we're going to dig deeper into his, uh, his progress of helping people in the world. Thanks everybody and stay tuned. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. We are so thrilled today. We've got Mr. Greg Reed here in the house. Greg has been sharing with us about stickability, celebrities he's met. But I asked him a question before we signed off about of all of his 100 plus books, which are kind of like raising kids, did he have a favorite? And we left the audience saying, what is that? So we've got Mr. Greg Reed back with us. Uh, Greg, as I scroll through the Amazon page last night on your site, you have like literally 100 of books. So if I had to ask you again, which of these, if you had to pick one, do you have a favorite? I always will go back to my first. It is called The Millionaire Mentor. And think, you know, people think I mentor millionaires or work with only rich people, but I actually worked with inner city gang kids in San Diego. Happened to be successful. So I drive up in a brand new car. The kids that I was mentoring would say, here comes my millionaire mentor. Became a badge of honor. The president of the United States wrote a letter of commendation and changed my life and community. But people don't understand when you write a book, you do something called a query letter. It says who you are, what's your message, why an expert, who's going to read your book. Well, I grew up in the mean streets of Del Mar, California. And as you know, I'm dyslexic. I can't spell very well. I can't read very well. I'm just a good orator. And when I did my first book, I sent out query after query and was turned down 268 times in a row. Whoa. And the 169th publishers said, we'll That's do your intense. book. <laughs> yeah. The 269th one said, we'll do your book. They changed the title, beginning, middle, and end. It was horrible. So but they kept your name on the book, at least. They kept you on the book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I kept this because people didn't believe me. Let's check this out. These are all my rejection letters that I got over the years of all the people telling me every single reason why I would never be an author. And here we are all these hundred books later. Wow. books, 45. But here's the best part of that story. Cause it's not like a, you know, look at me type of story, but what's cool is what's possible in this book. Again, that was turned down that many times. One quote 
was shared 37 million times last year. Whoa. Quote all over the internet, whether you know it's my quote or not, it came from this book and it says a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down becomes a plan and a plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. You've seen it on coffee mugs, t-shirts. Well, that's my quote from this book that was turned down all these times of everyone telling me the reason no. And the reason I share that is, again, we can never let another person or ourselves talk us out of what we know to be true. That's awesome. And I think we have that at the top of your bio, Aaron. I don't know if you can pull that up for those that are seeing it so that they can visually see what just Greg just said. But again, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into these steps becomes a plan, a plan backed by action. Make sure dreams come true. Greg S. Reed. I remember you saying that so many years ago. And wow, I had no idea it had been shared that many times. Uh, and uh, because it's truth. I mean, when you have such a deep truth like that, uh, oh, and that was I, that, that was a picture when you uh, had these cool glasses. See, I've known you even before you had them cool looking glasses and your yeah, cool jackets. Around here somewhere. You know what's so funny about that quote <laughs> is this year, John Asaroff uh, did the quote on Instagram. And I said, wait, Asaroff, that's my quote, brother. And I went back and added it. And Zig Ziglar, his family, they did it. And I said, hey, Zig, wait a second. That's my quote. Success Magazine this year. Everyone, it's just been pretty cool. Well, and, and you do that. Luckily, that quote is something that you've done. You've had really big dreams. I remember when you told me you were uh, going to produce this uh, film that we're going to talk about in the next segment with The Wish Man. I was like, whoa, that sounds, I was thinking in my head, that sounds like a pretty big lofty goal there. Uh, but again, you, du you, you ducked into these steps that I want to come back and talk about, but you broke it down and you made that stuff happen. Um, let me come back to the millionaire mentor for a minute. Over the years, you have been a mentor either through osmosis or directly or because being asked or hired to be a mentor. But along the way, you've had a lot of mentors. And I know uh, you've had some key people at different levels, whether it was for technology and internet stuff or for financial stuff or for uh, personal growth or for health. So what what is it that uh, when you became this student and you were mentioned about being dyslexic, did, did having that um, different way of learning uh, have you drawn to having more individual one-on-one -on -one mentors or people that you looked up to that you wanted to then go seek and find, and then you were bold enough to ask them for support? Can you talk to me about your mentoring relationship as being one and receiving being as a mentee? Okay. I believe we should have many mentors in our life. And there's a big distinguishing difference between a coach and a mentor. So a mentor to me is someone you don't pay. It's an older, wiser person who's a couple steps ahead of you that can show you the journey. And then you hire a coach to kick you in the backside to get out of bed to go follow those steps. So I, I want to be very careful of how we're saying that. Okay. And then I believe that we should have multiple mentors and multiple coaches in every chosen field of endeavor that we're working on. So for example, um, you know, I've got amazing speaker coaches when I first started. I mean, I had Les Brown and I, I had Charlie Tremendous Jones and I, the, the top of the top. Yet, I don't know if I would ask them about my financial literacy. So I went, right, to, right. I went to these people. And so today I'm very, you know, uh, careful of who I surround myself with, because I, again, I believe we sort of surround ourselves with people we have respect for who've already accomplished what we want to do in their chosen field of endeavor and ask them for guidance. Uh, for example, I'm not going to ask my accountant about his backhand in tennis, right? So it's very important to make sure we're surrounding ourselves with the right people who are getting the right results in the right order so we can do it too. And were you surprised when you started asking some of these people of status or, or success 
their willingness or did you find it took some coaxing? No, no coaxing. In fact, the most successful people are also the most available people. If you're brand new, you're happy, go lucky, you're fresh, you're cool. Top of the field, you got nothing to prove. In the middle, pain in the neck. You're filled with ego. Aha, the opposite of Iggy, right? You're edging God out. And I realized that most people were just going to this way. So for example, it is easier, as crazy as it is, to get to the founder of Remax Real Estate Corporation, a billion-dollar empire, than probably your local Remax president down the street. Because one person might have a little bit more ego or the other person just wants to teach the journey. So I just go directly to the source. For example, when I want to become a best-selling author, I went to the bookstore and I went to the best-selling section. I asked those authors to teach me. Now, notice, I didn't go to the people that wrote the best books. I, went, I didn't want to write the best book. I wanted to sell the most books. I want to impact the most people. And by surrounding yourself with people that are getting the results you want, you can do it too. That's awesome. Well, and and that mentoring, coaching, that digesting, that ended up leading you to then saying, God, I, I want to do this more in groups. I remember you were doing the a mastermind. You came up with that cool name of the secret knock and you wanted to make it kind of private. Uh, and like I said, I've known you for almost, I think, 15 years now. And you've been doing secret knock for I don't know how many years you've been doing. You were just like in the midst of getting it started, I think. So secret knock has become its own beast. I mean, it's like become its own thing. So can you talk to us about not only the evolution of your books, but how did Secret Knock come about? And how did some of these mentors and different people come into you, getting them into rooms also have another way to help teach people and have them listen to other people that are doing cool things? I use it as a multi-leverage tool. So for example, you know, there's one thing, there's a, uh, some of these old quotes we grew up with, I don't necessarily believe anymore. Like, you know, it's not the size of your television screen, it's the size of your library. I say BS to that. Uh, you know, they sit there and say, you know, anyway, I just don't believe in a lot of these different things. And so for myself, when we started doing Secret Knock, I surrounded myself with the people that were doing what I wanted to do. And I used it as a vehicle to interview some of the most amazing people where I'd say, hey, I'm working on this new book project. I'd love to interview for it. And by the way, you might as well come out when I'm doing the Secret Knock. I'll do it live on stage. It was like a two for one, right? So the audience got to experience it. They had a good joy from it. And I did. And I learned that from Bob Proctor. He said the secret of success in this industry is to find a way to get paid money to do what you're already going to do. And it says, well, since I'm already going to do this book, I can inspire more people. Other people can have takeaways, ask these people questions themselves, and it's a win-win all around. Isn't the, the best deals when everyone comes out and they feel like they got something out of it? Yeah, and you're a master of that. You're really great about bringing people together and connecting and then finding win-win so that people get something out of it. And, and what's interesting is all people have different things that they want sometimes going into it. And you have found an artful way of helping people find those things, even though they're completely different than might the others want. So you're a good matchmaker. So I applaud you in that. Um, and in these matchmaking things that you've done for people to be able to pick up and connect them, along the way in Secret Knock, who surprised you the most? that you thought would be just an okay guest, but he was on the, he or she was on the, the agenda that ended up just really blowing you away. Gosh, that, 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 that's harder to pick than my favorite book to believe it or not. So, you know, doing a private Skype with Edward Snowden while he's hiding in Russia in the middle of all that propaganda stuff with CNN and getting information directly from the source. 
having Tonino Lamborghini, Mr. Lamborghini fly from Italy and share and grace our stages where later on he and I toured India and, you know, impacted lot. There's been so many amazing takeaways, but this last one I just did, Carl Kanai, he's one of the most incredible fashion designers that I never heard of. And we sat on stage and so I was introduced to him on stage at that time and had one of the greatest interviews of my life because this guy blew my mind of how wise he was and how he applied street rules with business rules to create a, a brand new empire that's gone on to impact the lives of many. Wow, that's amazing. Well, let's come back and hear more about that from Mr. Greg Reed. Anybody that blows Greg's mind, I know I want to hear more about uh, I'm assuming you do as well. So you said Carl Kanai. I've not heard of him either. So if you haven't heard of Carl Kanai and how to take streetwise and also wisdom and create success, come back and hear more from Mr. Greg Reed. We'll be right back on the Alchemy of Business. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. We were talking with Mr. Greg Reed about secret knock, about stickability. And I was asking him about one of his guests that maybe surprised him the most. We're going to come back now and talk about his secret knock event. We're going to be talking about his prosperity camp as well. But I, a guest that he brought up, I had not heard of either. So, Greg, you were telling us about a gentleman you met, Mr. Carl Kanai, who I think you said was a designer, but that somehow he uh, amazed you. That you so t tell us more about that and what can the audience learn from you and from him? Well, he was the godfather or is the godfather of streetwear, modern day streetwear that you see all the kids wear. And he had everyone from Tupac to Biggie to, you know, all the celebrities from Jay-Z and Beyonce to Tiger Woods. Everyone was wearing his clothing. And the way he did it was just that guerrilla marketing is out on the streets and getting it on people and having them share the word. And the way he came up with his last name of Kanai, that's not his real name, is because awesome. he says, I can't. And it was can I? Oh, and so exactly. When you start Googling this guy, it's going to blow your mind. And the way that he like literally came from the projects in the roughest part of town and he impacted the lives using his street smarts and his business smarts and combined the two to create an empire that's worth zillions of dollars. But so many people have his lives have been impacted by what he did and the way he did it. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I love people that are that do what they love and they find a way to make money of it from it. Yeah. And 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 you know, I, I'm curious with you. You have um and Aaron, uh, my producer, if you could pop up as Greg and I are talking in the next minute or two, some uh, visuals on either and or his secret knock, but also his prosperity camp. I want to go into, but in secret knock, it led you to having you understanding that people wanted to learn to do their passion. They wanted to do their business. They wanted to learn how to make stuff happen. And I remember you learning along the way that to give people practical advice, but also not to kind of squelch their dreams. But you also started reaching out as you did to uh, billionaires, millionaires, and you started interviewing people along the way, not only for Secret Knock, but also I think you created a, a book series and events called uh, About Prosperity. So I want to talk to you about Secret Knock evolving to prosperity and what's the difference between both and, and what are people going to learn from, from these events? Yeah, for, I feel like you set me up on a little T-ball right there. It's pretty awesome. So the way we did even Secret Knock and we do Prosperity Camp is it's the George Costanza opposite day. If you ever watched Seinfeld back in the time, and, and the concept is instead of 
having this typical flyer where you have a little circle and here's who's going to be there and here's what you're going to learn. We did the opposite. We basically said we're the greatest event you cannot go to. <laughs> People goes, what? You know, no, you can't go. We're sold out every time. You can't go. You have to know someone and you have to fill out an application. As you know, Steve, you can't even buy a ticket. You have to go right. through an entire process. And by doing that, we had a filter system where we started inviting positive, like-minded people who got us. And we made a tribe of positive, like-minded individuals. So when people come to our events, forget the speakers. The other people in the audience that you're hanging out with and you're connecting and networking with, that's where the multi-million dollar ideas and brands start transpiring. That's where movies are made. Marriages come from. It's just absolutely spectacular. So Secret Knock is a large scale, you know, 300 plus person event uh, where we introduce you to the most amazing human beings alive. But it costs three grand to go and we don't tell you where it is or who will be there. We Very secret. <laughs> we'll just yeah. tell you the city, state and the date so you can book a flight. That's it. And then right before we start dripping so you can make a hotel room nearby and then the locations drip last minute so the people can't stop in. And by doing that, we've kept it very exclusive. And then Prosperity Camp is limited to only 40 people here at my personal home in Carlsbad, California. I got a cool little estate here. So we all come together and I bring in people that are very prosperous minded. And what that means is, you know, people pull up in the Rolls Royces and things of this nature and they say, Forget how great I am. Let me show you how we did this. And they give you the blueprint. And they say, they talk about, you know, these offshore accounts. What does that really mean? And how does gold work? And by the way, everyone talks about making money on pay-per-click on the internet. How does that really work? We bring in the world top thought leader. And what happens is we start breaking out in these little pods where you sit there and say, look, I want to know what this NFT thing everyone's talking about. And we go over and George Chanos, the former attorney general of Nevada, who's now becoming the world authority, says this is exactly what a non-fungible token is. Here's how it works. Here's how you buy one. Here's how it operates. Here's how the system's going to towards it. And then they do a whole thing and you go to another group and another group. So Prosperity Camp is a small, intimate version of, I call it, uh, you know, secret knock on steroids. That's awesome. Well, and, and again, you're you're bringing these how to do it. You're like pulling back the curtain kind of the Wizard of Oz and really giving people an open way to be able to make their own creation. And, uh, you know, I, my company and my show is called Alchemy and Alchemy is about formulas and the different pieces that you have to have of ingredients to make things happen. And you do a great job of helping people pick those apart to create their own formula. But you also, with these people that are doing it at a very high level, it's amazing that they're coming and willing to share kind of the secret sauce. So do you find that that is also, like you said, some of the successful people are most easy to get to? Are you finding that people that are successful in prosperity, whether in monetary uh, or goodwill or status, are they also willing to come and share as freely as one-on-one? Uh, -on -one? They're extreme. Are you coming to Prosperity Camp? Yeah, you've got me down. And I am sharing. Of course you are. Yeah. So the answer, there it is. It's so funny because one guy is coming. His name's Brian. Um, I won't say his last name. You know, he's a gadillionaire. And I said, how'd you make all your money in dirt? And he goes, oh, that's easy. Time plus land is wealth. I go explain it. He goes, I look for a town anywhere in the world that growing exponentially at 25%. Go on Google Maps. It's free. He goes, I look for Broadway. Main Street, and I take a pencil and I draw a line out eight miles. I buy that dirt. I rent that dirt to farmers. They pay the lease, so it's free land, and I get vegetables for years. As the town continues to grow at 25%, eventually ends up on my plot. And since I own the biggest amount of land because of my farm on there, I resell that to the big box stores for 800 times what I paid a billion dollars. 
The next person comes in and says, here's how it works. Even Lamborghini, I go, how in the world did you guys do what you did without commercials? And he says, all you have to do is create a product, good service or experience that people save their money to happily hand it over to you. I go, what do you mean? He goes, no one's going to save their money to buy your book, Greg. He goes, but they'll cash in their 401k to drive my car. He goes, no one's going to pay $3,000 a night to live in your own apartment, but you're going to cash in the family vacation fund to go to Anaheim and give it to a mouse with big ears. He goes, if you can create your own version of a product, good service, or experience that people save their money to give to you, you'll never run out of cash. That explains Secret Knock. That explains Prosperity Camp. That explains why these people are doing something a little bit different. That's awesome. Well, and it's that formula. I mean, you're you're giving people formulas and how-tos and practical ways to do it in different modalities from health to tech to, yeah. to Bitcoin. So, and, and, and you probably have found some common themes. You know, they, the old phrase is business is business, people are people, uh, love is love, even though those are all nuances. Have you yourself changed your definition of success or prosperity? Why? digesting all this and sharing it with others. Like what's the definition of your success now versus say 10 years ago, prosperity, wealth, that kind of thing. Yeah. You just, you just open a can of worms and I don't know how much time we got for this one, but completely different. So my entire life's paradigm has changed. Okay. Let's stop there then. Cause I want to cut that when you just said my entire life's paradigm, we only had 30 seconds left. So for the listeners there, Greg Reed is going to tell you how his entire life paradigm is shift around success prosperity. And I want to hear that myself. So stay tuned for those listening in here on the Alchemy of Business. Mr. Greg Reed, we are going to be right back uh, and hear more from him. Thanks, everybody. Welcome back to the Alchemy of Business. As I said, we are here with Mr. Greg Reed. And again, I'm thrilled to have him. We could talk for hours, but we only have a few minutes left on the show this segment. So I'm going to make it really meaty. Greg was saying before the break, I asked him about has his definition of prosperity or success changed over the last 10 years? And I thought it would be a fairly quick answer. Uh, and he said, my entire paradigm is shifted. I'm like, okay, let's take a break. Let's come back to that. So Greg, tell us what that is all about. Tell me about that. Okay, so when I got divorced with the most amazing ex-wife in the world, I know people find that hard to believe, but I love her. And I realized we're splitting everything up. I said, I should have more money than this. And I realized all my books were about, you know, never giving up, personal achievement. They weren't about wealth and prosperity. And so I started asking these millionaires and billionaires, like you said, how they did it. What's their wealth hack? And I wrote a book called Wealth Made Easy. It's been translated to so many different languages. But this one takeaway changed everything for me. And I sat down with a guy worth many, many billions of dollars. And I said, why is it you're so wealthy? You're so prosperous, but I am not. He looked me dead in the eye and said, that's easy. It's because you believe the BS that you're spreading to the world. He goes, we thank you for it. And we hope you'll continue that journey. Whoa. And, Whoa. What? and he goes, you're the greatest purveyor of the greatest lie that's ever been told. And I said, what is it? And he said, to go find your passion and the money will follow. He goes, will you please tell people that? And I said, what do you mean? And he pulled out my phone and on there was a meme and it said, follow your passion and not a paycheck. And he goes, and then you wonder why you're broke, you idiot. Mm, wow. And he says, look, he goes, you can find somebody who's passionate 
For example, they're a welder. They worked their entire life. They worked for 30 years and then they retire. They get some money, go to a Tony Robbins seminar. They're all excited. They go find their passion and they open a yogurt shop. Now, 95% of businesses fail the first year, not because they're not passionate, not because they don't have their initial capital. It's because he's a welder and not a yogurt person. He goes, but unfortunately, they're so attached to this passion attitude and this, their baby mentality that when they go underneath, they're holding on to that anchor. It pulls them down and it takes their car and their horse and their boat and their everything with it. it. goes, we go in there and we buy that for pennies on the dollar. He goes, keep that up. Keep those bumper stickers flowing. And he goes, we're like a game of Frogger. We ride a log. And as soon as it dips, we jump to the next log. He goes, we can never go down with the ship because it's just business. He mm -hmm. goes, we create so much wealth and so much prosperity that we have so much abundance that we use that to then go finance our passion. He goes, you guys do it in reverse. He goes, but every millionaire that's ever been a millionaire and lost their money did it following their passion. But you've never found a billionaire who lost all their money because they think like a business person. He goes, let me tell you a little newsflash. He goes, the sheiks out in the desert in Saudi Arabia and the Gettys that built America, they had no passion for crude oil under their feet. And guess what? Waste management has no passion for dirty diapers and rotten cheese. And guess what? The aggregate dealers have no passion for sand and gravel that built the freeways. Yet they built every university, the college, the ballet, everything you know and love was built based with that mentality. He goes, we own the coliseums and the football teams that people following their passion are giving their brain matter on the field for a few million bucks. He goes, if you can just switch that mentality just a little bit, you might just get wealthy too. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> hey, Aaron, can you pop up that picture that I, we had a Greg that, uh, him jumping in the pool with a suit because it's, this is totally changing your, like you, this is like, boom, jump in the deep end of the pool like change your thinking, you know, change your paradigm, uh, whatever you thought was. So this is Greg now shifting his paradigm, what he's learned from millionaires and mentors about now. Uh, yeah. He's got his good suit on, but he's now gone through the rain into a, a big, huge uh, lake of prosperity. So did you take that advice to heart and how quickly did you implement what, what you immediately, learned? Immediately. So for example, he says, look, he goes, here's your thing. I go, I'll change your mindset right now. He goes, you see someone that wants to sell a plane, someone that wants to buy a plane. They go to your event. I go, what do you do? And I go, I introduce them. He goes, that's right. And that's why you'll never have prosperity. I go, what? He goes, here's what I do. I go, the guy says, hey, I don't know anyone that wants to buy a plane, but if I find you a, a buyer, can I get a commission on that sale? He's going to say, heck yeah, I want to get rid of this plane. Then I go to the other guy and says, hey, if I find you a plane to buy, I know it's your dream. Can I get a free airline ticket to Hawaii? Heck yeah, I've always wanted to go to my own plane. Then I introduce him. You go, same exact outcome, except one's a wealth mindset and one's not. And the moment that we started having that type of clarity in our conversations, things started opening. Yeah, clarity. That, that, that's such a, that, that clarity, the actions, taking the steps are, are key. And I know that you're instilling that also uh, into your son. Um, oh I saw some posts that you did the other day, and I haven't seen him in a while with COVID and all this stuff, but he, Colt is uh, really growing up into a young entrepreneur himself. But I saw something about him um, uh, farming out, cleaning his room and different things that he's learning from you. So how has it been having a son, A, in this path that you're on where you're on this, uh, this student mindset? And then you have a son where you're supposed to be the teacher dad and you're all the students. So is Colt following in your footsteps in, in this learning that you didn't know at his age? 
to the highest possible degree. And it's scary as all get out. So what you're alluding to is recently, you know, we're having a party and I said, Colt, I go, go make your bed, clean up your room. We got a bunch of people coming over. And one of his friends comes out of his room 30 minutes later with a handful of money. And I said, where'd you get that money? He goes, I got it from your son. I go, from what? He goes, well, he paid me. I go, for what? He goes, oh, I made his bed. I cleaned out his stuff. I go, Colt, why'd you do that? I told you to do it. He says, no, dad, you taught me to work my strengths and hire my weaknesses. I had other things to do. And it just changed the paradigm. But more importantly, recently, I've changed everything in the way I treat him as a father-son. I'll give an example. Most people give their kids money to do things they don't like to do, like pull weeds, make their bed, and you know, do laundry. And we realize that we're training our kids from the earliest of memory. The only way to make money is to do something what? That they hate. So I changed that paradigm. And I said, Colt, you're really good at these internet memes and these videos. I got a million followers now. From now on, I'm going to start rewarding and paying your allowance for doing these for me. And by the way, to live in this estate and your lifestyle, why don't you do these things as contribution, giving back to the family? The moment we change that paradigm, everything changed. So now when he wants something, he comes up to me and never says, you know, I can't afford something. He goes, hey, dad, how can I afford this? How many memes will it take for me to get this? Wow. Everything. That does change it. Well, I know you and Alan uh, have raised him to be uh, a big minded thinker and a giver, but yet, uh, you know, he's not going to have empty pockets for sure. He's going to be an entrepreneur that learns uh, probably earlier than you and I did uh, about how to have that balance of life of success, prosperity, but also being of giving of service and servant leadership because he sees that from you all the time. So I'm so glad you have that relationship. He's part of that. And also your mom, on the other spectrum, I mean, here you're a mom and a son when I met you and your mom sometimes was on your stages or she'd be one of your groupies in the audience like cheering you on. So how has your relationship with your mom and your son changed or evolved with all these things you're learning? Are you are you finding that these things and people and lessons are really changing the dynamics within your family as well? Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, the student becomes the master and then you swatch, you know, swap roles as you go. You know, it's one of the coolest little experiences because you don't always want to be the smartest person in the group. So it's kind of cool to have that yin yang, everything we do. Even Colt, going back to that stuff, you know, when he was young, when he was like seven, now he's nine, um, you know, he got some money. And I remember I asked him what he wanted to do with it. And I said, let's put it in the bank. He goes, no, he goes, it's crypto stuff. So we opened up a little, you know, Coinbase thing and dumped the money in there and he bought some Bitcoin. And now my son coming up on age 10 will be probably worth six figures because he jumped on something earlier that I didn't even see. And it's so interesting to see the next generation where we had a grind to make our dough. I don't think they're going to have that same type of thing. They're going to have a different set of tools. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and especially with you helping lead the way with some of this younger generation, they're going to learn that. Well, we've got about five minutes left, and I want to d- dovetail into when you're talking about mentorings. Uh, the the I don't know if he was like a father figure to you or not, but I know he was a great mentor and friend of yours. Uh, and Frank uh, Shankwitz um, um, th- that helped uh, originally. I mean, he was a policeman, but he helped uh, really found, build, and originate uh, Make-A-Wish uh, Foundation, which you then went on to do his life story, Wish Man. Um, and I know Frank recently passed, um, but you had this, I want to talk about Frank and your relationship with him, how that came about, and then also how you led into not only meeting him, but deciding to help him create his dream. And then you stepped into becoming a, a feature film uh, executive producer, et cetera. So how do you step into these new places that you haven't gone before? And let's talk about Frank and the movie. Asking the right questions. So we're at Secret Knock and I asked Frank, founder of Make-A-Wish, what his wish was. 
And he goes, what? I go, yeah, I'm just out of curiosity. What did you ask for? And he goes, well, no one asked me. I says, well, I want to be the guy who grants the wish of the founder of Make-A-Wish. What do you want? And he says, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids will know I did something. So he signed over his life rights. And I said, I'll make it into a movie. Just know I've never made a movie. And it took six years and trials and tribulations. And it came out in 2019 and hit out in 20. And unfortunately, COVID hit. So it didn't get the full spectrum of the reality that we toured on Netflix for a year and a half or streaming worldwide. And we're actually on the ballad, the final ballad of the Oscars of uh, that season. So it's pretty special. I remember seeing you guys all on the green, the uh, the red carpet, and being in the stuff. And I know uh, Frank had to just be in his glory. And what a great gift you helped bring to him. And I know there was a lot of people involved in that. But you're putting it out there, and a dream written down with a date becomes a goal, a goal broken down into steps becomes a plan, and a plan backed by action becomes uh, your dreams come true. And you helped that for uh, Frank and yourself. What do you miss the most about Frank now that he's passed? He was kind of a curmudgeon. I liked it. It's just so cool. You can call that guy and he could give you a different point of view based on his expertise, knowledge, wisdom, and experience. That guy had lived an incredible life and he's got so much information that you could call the guy up and within a few minutes you can give him all the information and he'd give you feedback from a different perspective than I'd have in my own. And I always love that. That's wonderful. And what did you learn that surprised you the most about becoming a filmmaker? Because you had done a film before, but it was more like a kind of a documentary, right? More like a, yeah. So, um, and you probably learned similar things, but I'm curious in this feature film, Hollywood kind of stuff, what did you learn the most that surprised you the most? Hollywood, just in general, it's such an interesting different town. And, you know, it's so interesting. Right now I'm making three more movies and I'm going through the process, taking what I've learned and hopefully expanding on it. But I wish I would have learned a few things earlier. So in Hollywood, a yes is a no, a no is a no, and a maybe is what you're looking for. That would have saved me years alone. But I, unfortunately, I'm from San Diego and someone says, yeah, baby, we're going to make you a star. I actually believed it because a yes is a yes. But in Hollywood, a yes was a no. And now so, you, that's crazy. I, I know. And I just wish I would have known that code earlier. It would have saved years. Well, now you have your own star. I mean, who would have known long ago I had to ask you for an autograph? Let's say that again. There's Greg sitting on his own star there, Las Vegas. He actually has Greg S. Reed on the pavement of the select. So, how did that come about? Yeah. And so I nominated Frank uh, to get a star in the Walk of Fame. They gave it to him and they said, hey, you're doing so many things. We'd like to give you one too. And so that's how it is. So I'm three from Frank, six from Elvis Presley. And just this week, I was asked actually to serve on the board of directors of the Las Vegas Walk of Stars. So I'll be helping nominate and bring new people in as we go. Awesome. Well, as we've got a few minutes here to wrap up, I want to take all of this and, and boil it down into uh, you've done a lot of amazing things as having you know these stars on on the sidewalk and meeting celebrities, but really your soul and your heart is really something that I see that continues to evolve and grow. And I'm curious in my own work that I'm doing right now in the Iggy principles and inviting good in or inviting grace in versus edging it out. I'm just curious in your own life, how do you define your G, meaning inviting God in, good, greatness, grace? How do you define your own G? And how are you finding that you're, um, much of what you talked about today is incorporating that good in the world. But I'd like to talk to you about your own Iggy moments and your own Iggy principles in your own life and wrapping up on, on that topic. Well, 
first of all, it to me, it's just energy. So that's what it is. It's inviting good energy in and, and expecting good energy. I, it's so interesting. I, I look at it this way. If I went into your house with a trash bag full of dirty diapers and rotten cheese and I started dumping it out, the first thing you're going to do or your wife's going to do is say, stop, what are you doing? Get the hell out of my house. Yeah, for some reason, we'll let people open our brains, dump in there and we just sit and take it. Not me. So as soon as people start putting their negative energy around me, I have that same attitude as that trash bag where I go, whoa, stop. I appreciate what you're going through. Make sure you go find somebody you can share that with. I got to focus over here so I can inspire some people. And by having those boundaries, all of a sudden the doors of opportunity, I'm only inviting the goodness in now. I love that. Well, inviting the goodness in. Well, you're doing a lot of that, Mr. Greg Reed, and we appreciate you being on the show and all that you do for the world. Uh, we showed some of Greg's sites and stuff earlier, but we're going to make sure that's all in the show notes, but you can reach him at uh, gregsreed.com or if you just Google Greg Reed, I don't even think you need the S anymore. You've become so popular. Uh, so we're going to we're going to make sure you're in the show notes and Greg with his events, his films, his books, his speaking uh, will continue to inspire the world. So we want to thank you, Greg, for all that you shared today with our audience. And thank you those that listened in and were on the show of the Alchemy of Business. And we will make sure that this uh, show gets distributed so all of you can take advantage of Greg's wise words. Thank you, Mr. Reed. See you later. Thanks for having me on, brother. Alrighty, take care. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.